What else? It's been a, it's been a, a powerful week. You know, it's, it's hard because there's goldfish here, and I'm going to crush them. But I've had, this, I've had this, this high all week long. And it's funny how at the end of the week, something could tear it away. You're, at, least, at least the devil tries to steal it, right? So, so this week, and it's been going on for week after week after week, and, and God is increasing what this church is doing. And, and when we talk about these ministries, those of you that have been on Church on the Street and those of you that have gone to El Cavadio, you guys know, like, the increase in power that Jesus is giving us in these ministries. Because people are getting saved. People are standing up and accepting Jesus in their hearts. Not because we convinced them, but because they experience God in a real way. So we go and share the gospel. I'm going to break stuff. We go and share the gospel, and we pray for an experience, whether it's a healing or it's, it's, a, it's a prophecy or just laying hands on people and letting them experience God, right? And, and we do that in all of our ministry because I don't want to ever talk someone into believing in Jesus. I want them to experience Jesus because we can, right? And so this week, I think we probably had, we had smaller groups at El Cavadio, but we probably still had 12 to 14 people accept Jesus. And then we sent them out. This is the best part. This is what I love about El Cavadio. So we have six nations that come to us. So, so Jesus says, go make disciples of nations. And we have six nations come to us this, this week that we got to share the gospel with, yeah. right? Yeah. But they're going all over the United States. So they're here for a day, and then they go. And so they get to come, and we share the gospel, and we pray for them to experience Jesus. They accept Jesus in their heart, and then we commission them to go. And we tell them that they're going to bring revival to the United States. Amen. And I, believe, I actually, I'm going to keep saying it because I, I'm starting to believe it. <laughs> I'm going gonna, I'm, I'm gonna to keep saying it because I'm starting to believe it because Let's, let's look at this. I mean, this is like gospel, right? And we talked about this on Pentecost Sunday. But Peter preached to nations, right? The Jews of all nations came, and he preached, and they went back home. Our country needs more of Jesus. And we have, ref, we have nations flowing in at a, at a crazy amount right now, right? And I'm not, we're not talking about politics. I'm telling you right now, like, I'm not even going to get into the political conversation, but they're here. And so we should, we, should take, we should take advantage of that, yeah? And then they're going to go wherever they go, and if they experience Jesus, if we, could, if we could show them who Jesus is, and they go wherever they go, they take Jesus with them. And so when we tell them that they can actually, that now they're in our nation, and they have Jesus, and this is something that our nation needs, and they get to bring this to them, they get excited, right? Those of you that are there, they get excited, but it's so gospel, Right? So, so I'm excited about that. That's, that's amazing. This Friday at Church on the Street, we had a powerful service. Like four people showed up. But it was, it was, was it four? Yeah, it was four. It was four. Well, four than my family and Pastor Mary. <laughs> we had family in town, so they, they came. But we, we, were, we, we just preached the gospel. We preach the true gospel, the real gospel, right? And, 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 and we share the love of Jesus, 
And we got to pray for them. And all of a sudden, the Holy Spirit falls. And one guy we're like holding up. Like he's, he's contorting himself like in a crazy, like Jesus is just putting pressure on him, right? He's just filling him up. The next guy comes and he starts speaking in tongues. Like oh, most of us have heard most of you speak in tongues. I'm talking tongues like I've never heard. He was doing stuff with his mouth that I can't even, I can't even think about doing. Like I don't even know where to start. But it's, it sounded like it was coming from heaven. So another powerful experience, right? Like just power. God, God is coming in power. And, and then yesterday, I met my best friend, one of my best friends, in front of our house, my neighbor. We built houses next to each other. And we started talking. And I started sharing with him all my excitement of the week. And he, he begins to tell me why he doesn't believe in anything I told him. He's been a Christian his whole life. And everything I told him, he, he questioned the Bible. He questioned the power of God. He says that we live in hell now. He's, he's, he's talking about heaven as being this faraway place. But I just experienced heaven here on earth all week long. And my heart broke. Like, every time I think about it, my heart broke. My heart breaks. We had a tough conversation, and he ended up leaving it, and, and I haven't heard from him since. And it breaks my heart. Because there's so much more. I'm not even like on topic. I am on topic because it's going gonna, it's gonna to tie in. There's something that we need to discuss. And, and there's something that we need to discuss. And it's a real problem. I spend a lot of time, those of you that know me know this, I spend a lot of time sharing my faith with people. I share it on the streets. I share it in grocery stores. I share it in business. Michael was in my office here, and this guy came to because he wanted a house built for him, and we ended up praying for his ear to be opened up. Right? But I hear, I hear people. I hear people that have fallen away from the Lord. Or I've heard of. I hear people that have fallen away from church. And it comes to this, this topic that I want to discuss today. And I know we've had a powerful morning service before in worship, but I think God got our hearts softened for this. But we have to, I hear this, I don't believe in God because when I was going to church, blah, blah, blah happened. The church hurt them. The church hurt their family. And they stopped believing in God. The church, who is supposed to be going out and preaching the gospel and sharing the love of Jesus, is hurting people. And people are falling away from faith completely. 
I don't believe in God anymore. I'm constantly telling people, but that's not Jesus. That's not Jesus. I hear another people, a group of people, and the guy that we prayed for in my office was one of them who said, basically, they had a horrible experience with church, and at the end of it, they decided church was not for them, and they go, I have my own personal relationship with God, and I'm not going to go to church. I'm not going to be part of a church, because the church hurt him. You guys know it. I think we've all been hurt by the church. I mean, I think if we really think about it, we've all been hurt by the church. And so that, it's a tough situation, but I want to go over it. So last week, Anthony was here. How many of you were encouraged by Anthony? I want you to know, like, he was more encouraged by you. He was. I spoke with his dad, and I spoke with him. He still talks about it. We got to have him come and, and, and just pour into us and encourage us. And, and he's like, I promise you guys, he's like that all the time. Like, that, that wasn't just like a one-time thing. It's, it's, you can only handle Anthony in doses, you know? <laughs> He's single, and Sarah and I were like, well, maybe, and we were like, opposites attract. I'm like, yeah, but the opposite of Anthony is death. Like, <laughs> right? right? Like, so, and then the week before, Michael preached on family, right? And, and he shared his heart about family and coming together as a church and his coming together as family. And, and I think that that's what we need to be doing. But we have to acknowledge that we're going to hurt people. I'm like so off topic. Sarah hates when I do this, by the way. She goes, don't tell people when you're off topic. But <laughs> so first I want to address, like, we obviously know, like, I don't think we need to get into it, that, that People that have fallen away from church because we've hurt them, because the church has hurt them, because we've hurt them. You know, we need to do something. We need to do that better, right? And then, I, I it, for many, a long, long time, people would tell me, I have my own personal relationship with Jesus. And I would say, that's great. That's all you need. It's not about the church. I would actually say it's not about the church. I would tell them that. But I think I was wrong. Because it kind of is about the church. Just because we hurt people as a church doesn't mean that, that we just give up on it. I think we need to have these tough conversations. So, so Revelations 21.2, the church is the bride of Christ. So it's kind of about the church. Like we get this amazing imagery of Jerusalem coming down, which is the church. Heaven and earth, it's all part of this whole new creation. It's kind of about the church. Yes, it's about Jesus. Uh, don't get me wrong. Like it's about Jesus. 
but he's made it about the church, right? Ephesians 5, 25 through 27 says, love your husband, or husbands, love your wives, even as Christ also loved the church and gave himself for it. Jesus thought it was about the church. He died on the cross for the church. Yes, the church, in the Bible, it's, it's very broad. I mean, we, we could say the church is just believers. And that's true. If you're a believer, you're part of the church. So, and the Bible talks about the church in that way. But the Bible also talks about, you know, we hear these letters to the Romans, right? So we hear the church being a city. But then also within Rome, there was a bunch of little house churches, right? But Paul also wrote letters to smaller churches. So like dwell, we are the church. We are a church. And, and Apostle Paul could write us, so that would be awesome if Apostle Paul wrote us a letter. I hope it's good. Like, <laughs> I hope it's one of the better ones. Like, <laughs> but he could also write a letter to, to the church in Las Cruces. Or to the church, right? So it's very broad, and I understand that. We talk about the church, and, and, and I realize how important the church is. Okay? I, for many years, and, and I, was, I was just reminded by it when Sarah's sister and their family was here, how many times we would drive to Pasadena to be with people of like mind, to be with people that would encourage us. I mean, we would go often because we didn't have you. <laughs> we didn't have you guys back then. We thought we were the only weirdos in Las Cruces. <laughs> and we would, we would pack up the family <laughs> and we would drive to Pasadena. But we needed that because you, you, when you're doing it on your own, you start feeling dry. Because this world is a heavy world, and it's full of a bunch of lies, and the enemy is deceit. And if we hang out too much, then guess what? We start looking like the world. I think of my buddy. I think of my friend, the one that's been a Christian his whole life who stopped going to church for whatever reason. I don't know if he was hurt. I, he never really told me. He just kind of stopped going. But he sounds like an atheist. Because he doesn't have people around him saying, God will heal you. God does do miracles today. It is God's promise. Because let's face it, like the promises in the Bible are crazy. But every single one of them is going to come true. So I want to talk about today how we can be more intentional. How we can set, up ourselves, set ourselves up as a church for increase. So we can do what we've been called to do. Okay, so we admit, like the church has hurt people. People hurt people. I've hurt people. You've hurt people. <laughs> I don't think it's anyone's intent, right? It's not my intent to hurt anyone. 
I say stupid things sometimes. I might have hurt my friend. I keep playing the conversation over in my head, and I think, man, did I, did I approach that in love? And it's hard. I sent him a note saying I love you. Because I do, right? And we make mistakes and we say things. We need to acknowledge it's a possibility. I can't come up here and tell you guys that I'm perfect or dwell is perfect because it's not. And it's a tough reality to think about because it's not my heart for anyone to get hurt. But I think it's an important conversation to have because I want you to know right now, I'm sorry. I'm sorry for ever offending you. I'm sorry if I'm offending you now. I'm hoping the feathers help. Like, <laughs> my intent's not to offend anyone. But if we're going to be a church, if we're going to be a family, and if we're going to run together, I think we need to be honest with each other. Amen. So what is the church? I say the church is the believing community those who believe in Christ, right? That's the church in general. Ephesians 1, 22 and 23 say, and God placed all things under his feet and appointed him to be head over everything for the church, which is his body, the fullness of him who fills everything in every way. We are his body. This actually says we make him complete. is about the church. Again, Ephesians 5, 25-27. Husbands, love your wives just as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her to make her holy, cleansing her by washing with her water through the word and to present her to himself as a radiant church without stain or wrinkle or any blemish, but holy and blameless. The church is a family of believers. We could come together in like mind. We are the family with Jesus as the head. Right? It doesn't matter where we meet. It doesn't matter where we meet. If we're coming together to strengthen each other and build each other up and be in community, Family looks different to many different people. So I'll just tell you this, like we might not look like your family, your home family. But we can be family. And we can run together, and we can encourage each other, and we can love each other. What is the church called to do? We know our commission, right? Does everyone know the commission? Right. I'll give you a sermon on it, I promise. It's coming. <laughs> but what are we doing when we meet? Right? This is my favorite passage on this subject. Hebrews 10, 24 through 25. And let us consider how we may spur one another on toward love and good deeds, 
not giving up meeting together, as some are in the habit of doing, but encouraging one another, and all the more as you see the day approaching. I mean, do I have to say anything else? We, we are called to spur one another up, to love. We come together to encourage each other, to go love the world, to go love people like Jesus loved people, to love the lost, to spur one another up in good deeds. It's not about good deeds. It's about Jesus. But I think if you're full with the Holy Spirit, you're going to do good deeds. <laughs> so guess what? We come together to fill each other up. We lay hands on each other. We worship together. We get filled up. We are a family of believers who encourage and strengthen each other in the kingdom. We are not of this world, right? Anthony said, but we're in this world. We're not of this world, but we're in this world. And that means we don't look like the world. But we need each other. So back to hurt. Unfortunately, we hurt people and we hurt others. But we're a family. And this is a lie that I think that we need to get over. It's okay to disagree with each other. I think that so many times that we tiptoe around and we sweep things under the carpet because we're afraid of offending each other. But that causes hurt later on. I think it's okay to disagree. I think it's okay to argue. Paul and I might not see eye to eye on everything. And we could argue with each other. But I still love him. Right? We, when, when, we can, look, if I make you mad and you want to yell at me, call me and yell at me. <laughs> I've yelled at my wife not often. I yell at my kids <laughs> more often. <laughs> my mom and I have yelled at each other. But we still love each other. And I'm not talking like, let's get completely out of control rage yell. Like if you're completely out of control rage yelling at me, I'm going to tell you to go take a break. <laughs> Right? I think there, there's a difference between uncontrolled anger and righteous anger. But I think we're allowed to be angry. If Jesus weaved a whip. He actually sat at one point and he was, he was like, I'm going to weave this whip. You know, he didn't just walk in and go, I'm going to use this whip. He weaved a whip. He planned it out. That's righteous. Now, don't weave a whip and come to my office, please. <laughs> I'm saying that we have emotions, and we, we don't need to pretend like we don't have them. And we can be upset with each other, and we can talk about it. We do this. And I, you know what? I think it brings us closer together. I, I actually think that conflict... And I'm not, I'm not saying, like, go start conflict just 
because you want to get closer to me. Like, we could get close anyway. But conflict, if done well, and if we have an agreement that we love each other and we are family, conflict's going to bring us together. Because conflict, we're sharing our hearts. I'm not afraid of conflict. What I'm afraid of is conflict that leads to people leaving. Because it happens a lot. Instead of dealing with issues, people walk away. And what I, the last thing I want to happen is for me to offend you. And you leave and have no more faith. Or leave and be by yourself. I, I, I know that this family might not be for you. And I'm, I'm okay with that. But I think it's important to have a family. I, I don't think you could do it without it. I don't think you could do what Jesus has called you to do without having people to run with. Not forever. Maybe for a season. But not for... Forever, and I'm. I don't think I could. I couldn't. I would feel so dry, and I would beg Sarah, "Let's go to Pasadena again." <laughs> <laughs> because we need each other. We need to deal with our issues. We shouldn't be tiptoeing around. A healthy family is a family that deals with their issues. I'm going to say this again. A healthy family is a family that deals with its issues. I've seen unhealthy families, and they, and they look happy on the outside. And they, anytime there's a problem, they get quiet about it, and they sweep it under the rug. And it blows up. Someday, it blows up. So the mo some of the most healthiest families I know are, from the outside, appear to be the most dysfunctional. <laughs> but they deal with their issues a lot. <laughs> <laughs> I don't want to tiptoe around. Hmm. So. I'm, I'm finishing up my degree, and I'm taking this course, and it's my favorite course ever. It's called Second Temple Judaism. So we're studying everything in between the Old and the New Testament, so that 400 years. Because so many times we, we, are, we get our background from the, for the New Testament from the Old Testament, but we forget that there's 400 years in between. And it's been really cool because it's been opening up my eyes to a lot of just cultural stuff. You know, it's, you, 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 read about some, you read some of this literature, and it's not the Bible, and I'm not treating it like the Bible, but it helps me understand why some things look the way they did, right? There, there's some of those things in the Bible, like, I always wondered, you know, the Pharisees had all these rules. Right? They had all these, these rules, and you go to Deuteronomy, and they're not there. Right? Like the, a Sabbath day journey. 
is an example of this. Deuteronomy doesn't tell them how far they can walk on the Sabbath. But they, they have all this stuff, and Jesus is rebuking them for it, right? Well, what I realized is, during that time, I want to remember what it's called. There was, they call it the Mishnah, which was the oral law. So they, it was actually just oral. It wasn't even written down until way after Jesus died. Not way after, maybe 40 or 50 years after Jesus died. But they had this oral law. So what they did was they, would, they went to the Torah, the law, and, and they were living in this time where they, they, they remembered the exodus, or not the exodus, the exile. Totally different. Remember the, <laughs> the exile, right? So they, they remember the exile. They're living in this time where they had the exile in the past, and they, they knew it was because of their disobedience to the Torah. So they said, we can't have this happen again. We need to be in obedience. We need to follow the Torah at all costs. So they looked at the, they looked at the Torah, and they developed this oral law. And they said, let's look at it for our time. Okay? Let's look at all these rules and see how it looks for us now. So this, this Mishnah now is like five volumes of rules. And, and the purpose was actually pretty good. Like it was just like they would go, okay, don't work on the Sabbath. What does that look like for us today? Right? So their, their heart was actually to do right, to do good. But then they, when Jesus said, you're following your rules, that's what he's talking about. When he says um, the Sabbath was not made for man, or <clears throat> the Sabbath was made for man, not man for the Sabbath, he was telling them, like, you're missing the heart of, of what God commanded. You're missing, you're missing the whole point. So what their, their, their intent was, was good. They wanted to follow God's laws. But in doing so, they, they missed the whole point. And, and the oral law became more important than the law it was protecting. Instead of addressing the issue of disobedience, they made a bunch of rules. And that's what Jesus was rebuking. And you're like, Daniel, what does that have to do with what's going on today? I think it's because we do the same thing today. I want to bring this up because we have many denominations. And, and before I get into this, I want you to know I'm not bagging on anyone. I'm not saying anyone's doing it wrong and I'm doing it right. I'm not saying I'm anything. I'm just saying that I see a lot of times where instead of addressing issues, we also make rules. I, I want to give you an example of what might look like. Okay, so some Christians believe that you should not drink alcohol at all. But the Bible says, doesn't say don't drink alcohol at all. What does the Bible say? Don't get drunk. See, they built a hedge around the don't get drunk and just said don't drink alcohol at all. 
And I'm not, you, you do what you do. Like, I'm not, I'm not against drinking alcohol. I'm not for it. I'm just, I'm just saying. That's a good, easy example of how we do it now. But there's other ones, like, how can I do this nicely? Like confessional. We'll just get it out there. I think to myself, like, why? Where does it say anything like this in the Bible that we must confess our sins to a priest? Right? In this, that's our confession. Just kidding. <laughs> um, but I can only, I, I'm just guessing here. I, didn't, I haven't researched it. But I can only think that they, they realize, like, we should confess our sins. And instead of dealing with people that don't confess their sins one-on-one, -on -one, they make a rule, right? They make a ritual. They make it so you have to do it a certain way every time. So we know our people are confessing their sins. Do you understand, though, that that might not be the heart of confessing your sins? Some people might do it perfectly. And that's where I want to people to understand. Some people like it that way. And they like that, that. But it doesn't have to be that way. Some people, they maintain the heart of confessing your sin by doing the ritual that way. Some people do it because they were super bad on Saturday and they had some stuff to get off their, their chest. I've got one friend, he does whatever he wants, you know, Monday through Saturday, knowing that on Sunday he could confess his sins and they'll be forgiven. Is that the, is that the, is that the heart of the, right? See, instead of making rules that defeat the heart and to sweep the problem, sweep the issue under the rug, we need to be addressing the issues. We have to. If we're going to be a healthy family, we choose. Does this make sense? Like everyone's, everyone's like, Daniel, you, we had great worship and you're ruining it all. <laughs> Yeah, I've already covered how all this. I'm not off track. I just went. Me catch my spot. <laughs> so let's focus on our issues because it's going to make us stronger. Let's let's not pretend like we don't hurt people. But let's, let's come together as a church, at least the people in this room, let's just agree, like, I love you, and you love each other, and I hope you love me and my cool shirt. <laughs> and, and none of us are going to mean to hurt people. Even the people that have hurt you in other churches, it was their intent to hurt you. And, and we need to accept that. 
There's some stuff in my past, my, my short church past, that I could have taken, be completely offended about. But it's made me, it's actually made me stronger. But we need to, we need, need to know, we need to be intentional about speaking about how we feel. Because what I don't want to happen is for, for one of us, because it could be any one of you that could offend somebody here and then leave and never come back. My wife tells you something mean, she, she forgets, she, she's sorry about it. She didn't mean to. That I always have to tell, me, tell myself that. Okay, she doesn't really mean that. <laughs> she doesn't mean it. <laughs> I forgive her in Jesus' name. <laughs> but we need to agree that, 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 that we are going to listen to each other and we're going to respect each other and we're going to love each other. And at the end of our disagreement, we might not ever agree. And we need to just understand that. And it's okay. Because we all see things differently. We need the church. And the church needs us. And we already read that, the G that Jesus needs us. I don't know why he set it up that way. But he did. He commissioned us. So Saturday, yesterday, my heart broke because of my friend. It was so hard. Because he doesn't even know he's lost. I kept telling him, that's not in the Bible. That's not what I experienced. I'd explain to him, I don't, don't want to argue with you. But I realized that at some point in his life, something happened with the church where him and his family quit going. And I wonder if we would have had the same conversation if he found a different family or if whatever happened got dealt with, whatever issue was going on was worked out. We need each other. I need you. Like, I, I can't even tell you. I, I get to see amazing things every single day. And I'm, we're, we get to pray for people, and we see people saved. You're encouraged. And I'm not saying that because I'm up here and you're... I'm not saying any of that. I'm saying we need to be encouraging each other. Whether I'm preaching or not, like, it's your encouragement. It's like Michael calls me, and he shares something with me, or, or he gives a message, and I think to myself, 
Jesus, I want to love you the way he loves you. Or I hear an amazing testimony of God's goodness. Something happening in anyone's life. And I go, all right. Jesus still does do things. <laughs> See, because we need our daily bread. We talked about this. We need our daily miracle to remind us of who he is. The Israelites, every single day, for 40 years, they ate manna. Manna, manna, manna. 40 years so they would remember that they walked through an ocean. I've seen some crazy stuff in my life. I've seen some crazy stuff as a Christian. But I can't live off of yesterday's miracle. But if we have each other, I can live off of yours. We need each other to strengthen each other and build each other up. Because if it happens in Paul's life, it could happen in my life. And if it happens in my life, it could happen in any of your lives. We need each other. That's why he designed it this way. But we need to be honest with each other. And we need to treat each other with respect and love and at least tell each other how we feel. Because if we don't, then you're saying you don't care. That you never care. See, not, nothing bad's happened in this church yet. I just want to, like, some people are like, man, what happened? <laughs> <laughs> this wasn't easy for me to put down. It, it was such on my heart because I see, I think it's crazy. I go, God, all these people are so lost right now because a church hurt them. The church might be the, cause, the number one cause of atheism. But we have to be honest with ourselves. I don't think any of those people, I don't think anyone meant to hurt those people. I mean, there's probably some denominations. No, I'm just <laughs> I guess I want to do this now because my heart is truly to be family. And my heart is to operate as the church, as believers. I wrote a paper <laughs> two weeks ago, and, and I'm in this, where I'm getting a degree that theology is a little bit different. But it was interesting to hear the conversation because it was, the idea was, there was this guy, Mark, and he was a non-believer, and he came to church uh, with his, so his friend brought him to church to get him saved. Okay, you guys get people saved on the streets, then bring them to church. <laughs> so he brought his friend to church, he could bring a friend to church, or he'll get saved, but 
he brought him to church to get saved, and the guy was a musician, and he played the drums. Did you guys notice AJ played the drums with one hand, by the way? Oh, yeah. <laughs> he broke his head, and he played the drums with one hand. <laughs> so, so Mark is, Mark gets involved, right? He's like, I'm going to be a drummer with this group. So he becomes a, he, he becomes a drummer, and so this guy that knows that he doesn't believe, told his friend, well, I don't believe in God. I just want to play in the band. And so it's like, how do you handle this situation? And I actually, I question whether a church is where non-believers go. When this group was in my house, In the very beginning, I told them, don't be non-believers here. And everyone was like, what? <laughs> it was like the craziest idea. Because that's not what we, we were used to, right? And I told them, it's not about not bringing non-believers. Like, bring non-believers. But understand, I'm not going to preach to non-believers. See, today, I'm not giving you a gospel message. You go to, you go to church on the street or you go to, go to refugees, I'm giving a gospel message. But I see the church as believers. <laughs> it's believers. It's not non-believers. And, and yes, a, a non-believer could come here, and the Holy Spirit can wreck them, and by the end, they could be giving their life to Jesus. But I want this group to be believers. People that are going out and making disciples on the streets and houses in temple courts. Because that's what the disciples did. But we need we need to we need to be building each other up and strengthening each other. We need to we need to deal with our issues. And we need to talk about problems. We need to talk about when we have a hard time. We struggle out there. Sometimes it just sucks being out there. To have a world telling you, like, let alone my best friend, that everything I believe, everything that I experience is junk. But that's how the world looks at us. So we need to be able to come together and worship and pray for each other and practice praying for healing and practice prophesying, and practice doing it. all these crazy things that Jesus has called us to do. And not worry about what the world, because there's no world here. We are the church in this room. We believe this crazy world. We believe this crazy story, and we get to be part of it. And we get to encourage each other, and we get to build each other up, and we, can, we get to share what God is doing in our lives. I love you guys so much. I so love you. I love you because I can be who I am. I can be who Jesus made me to be. And you guys get it.
You guys get it. Like, I could tell you about my week and what God has done, and there's no offense. <laughs> right? Because my friend is offended. See, Jesus said, these are my brothers. These are my mother. You are my family. I have my natural brother, and I have my natural mother. But you are my family. Because you're the ones I run with. It's a tough topic. But it's one that we need to keep open. It's a door we need to keep open. Because we have a job to do. <laughs> He's called us to something. And we need each other in order to do it. So let me pray. <laughs> Jesus, I thank you for family. I thank you that you brought us together. I thank you that you brought this crazy group of Christians together. Keep us bold. Make us bolder. Let us get our junk out. Let us deal with the issues that we have with each other when they come up. We ask that you take away any rug that might hide the dirt. We just take, take it away, God. Fill us with your love and your peace and your joy. Fill us with everything about you. Teach us how to deal with conflict better. Teach us how to love each other better. Teach us how to love you better. God, I want us to love the world the way you love the world. And I ask that you keep us strong in your mighty, mighty, beautiful name. Amen. Thank you, guys. If anyone needs prayer, we love praying. And if you want to pray for someone, please do so. We are, we are family and, and growing together and growing in general. And I think that if we keep, keep our hearts set on what we're called to do, that God is going to use us in, in the most amazing ways. Yes, Pastor May. Can I ask people for help with this? Sure. Okay. So Diane has decided to take a rest from every day in the afternoon that I go out and pass water to the homeless. And um, if anybody has a free afternoon, please come talk to me. I'll
Yeah, so if you have a free afternoon, you Passamary is amazing. And if you can ask any homeless person on the streets if they know Passamary, and if they say no, then you know they've only been here for a couple hours. <laughs> but she she's she is one of the most oldest ladies I know. So so go be with her and let her boldness rub off on you. Because she is she is doing the work of Jesus out there and, and passing out water and so if you're interested in that talk to her and I'm just going to pray that, that the van, the missionary van that they told us was only going to last for two months like two years ago <laughs> comes back to life yes. in Jesus mighty name did you put it in park? okay I remember that. <laughs> the van died once. I got to share. It's just a good story. And so we go, and we had a, a mission team here, and half of them seemed to be experts in mechanics, and everyone looks at this thing, and no one can figure out what's wrong with it. And I call my AAA. I'm like, hey, I've got this van. And they go, oh, yeah, we'll come get him. I've lined it up, and... He couldn't get to the back where it was, so I was like, we'll just put it in neutral, and we'll roll it, we'll push it down. Well, I went to put it in neutral, and I realized that it was already in neutral. <laughs> so I go, I wonder, and so I just put it in park and started right up. <laughs> so I think, thanks for coming. <laughs> we'll, we'll just, uh, yeah, we'll keep praying. And if anyone is mechanically inclined, you could talk to Pastor Mary too. Awesome. Do you want to do one more worship song? Oh, she can't. Okay. Well, bless you all. <laughs>